Welcome back to Stories to Dismember. You're hanging out with me, your host, Aaron, and I am here with my two co-hosts, Ariel and Azrael. Hello. Hello. What's up? What's up? What's up? So this week, I think we're doing kind of a controver- controversial movie, would you say? Controversial? So. What's controversial about it? <laughs> well, I mean... The acting? Every- everybody hates it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a very... Well, I wouldn't even call it... Def- like divisive it i think everybody collectively hates this film right <laughs> i think so and if you're wondering what we're talking about it is the 2006 nicholas cage movie the wicker man yeah no don't turn off your podcast keep listening <laughs> which starts out kind of like ghost rider i thought we were i thought i clicked on the wrong movie i was like wait is this ghost rider <laughs> i thought the same thing <laughs> why is he Okay, I, I just don't understand. There's like some janky motorcycle he was riding in. It's supposed to be a cop. Sound like a little 250 motor. Yeah, and the, the outfit was uh, a little over the top, in my opinion. <laughs> All right. And this movie was picked by Azrael, and he's going to be our guide through the movie. To let us know what it's about, who's in it, what's going on, and what we think about it. All right. I'm ready if you are. All right, yeah, uh, <clears throat> The Wicker Man, 2006. This is uh, starring Nicolas Cage as uh, Edward Mollis. You also have uh, Alan Burstyn, his sister Summer's Isle, uh, Kate Beam, Behan as uh, Willow Woodward, Molly Parker, Sister Thorne, Lily Sobieski, Sister Honey. Wait, what? What? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Lily Sobieski? Or Sobieski. <laughs> There you go. Who should get confused with? How is it? Uh, it's probably Evan Rachel Wood. They look a lot alike. Okay, I know she gets confused with somebody else. Um, either that or maybe Jennifer Lawrence too. She kind of looks like both a cross between Jennifer Lawrence and Evan Rachel Wood. <laughs> um, we have Francis Conroy as uh, Doctor T H Moss, and a brief appearance by James Franco. Also, uh, who was the other one? I thought was oh Aaron uh, Eckhart's in here. You missed him yeah, for well. like a very small second. Right. When I looked at the, the uh, cast, I was like, where is he at? Yeah, in the very beginning, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so the movie starts out on Nicolas Cage is a California Highway Patrolman, uh, Edward Mollis, in California. I believe it is the uh, Fort Myer area, motorcycle cop. So he's uh, on patrol, and he recovers a teddy bear from the roadway that had fell out of the window of a station wagon that he was uh, traveling behind. So he uh, he pulls the vehicle over, and uh, inside there was a mother and daughter, and Ed, uh, Edward returns the bear to the little girl. And while he's talking to the mom, the girl tosses the you know bear out into the middle of the road, and Edward goes out to retrieve the bear, and then a semi just plows into the station wagon head on. Uh, so the vehicle you know bursts into flames. When Edward gets to the vehicle, the mother appears to be unconscious. Because of the flames, they're blocking the the doors to the driver and passenger side. So he decides to try to uh, get them out from the back window. So he uses his helmet to break the window out. And uh, he reaches in, telling the girl to grab her hand. And, uh, you know, this in this scene, you know, the girl is, I don't know if she was either in shock or she really didn't have a, the instinct of a self-preservation because she's just sitting there watching him as he's trying to save her. And then the car explodes and Edward is blown back into the roadway. 
So then we uh, jump forward. Edward's uh, at home. He appears that he's been on leave from work since the accident had occurred. Uh, while he's at home, another officer shows up to the house to check on him. I believe it was Officer Forrest was her name. And she starts talking about him, about you know, him being on leave and coming back and perhaps taking a position as a detective. And you know he just tells her he needs time. And uh, he starts talking about the accident. And the officer informs him that the uh, station wagon wasn't registered and that the uh, bodies of the mother and daughter were uh, never recovered. So later, uh, Edwards reading a letter that he received, we find out is from his ex-fiance, Willow Woodward. And in the letter, she informs him that she has a daughter named Rowan that had gone missing for two weeks. And in the letter, there was also a picture of the girl who looks uh, identical to the girl from the the car accident. So then uh, Edward starts looking into uh, this island where Willow lives. He finds out that it's in the Pacific Northwest and that she lives on a, a privately owned island called Summer's Isle and that she's like a member of a agricultural commune. So Edward decides to investigate the disappearance of the, the girl. So he starts uh, his journey there on a ferry boat. Uh, while he's on the boat, he has a, a vis- visual uh, hallucination of uh, the little girl from the accident getting hit by the semi. And then uh, we see him take some type of prescription medication which appears to help him cope with the uh, psychological trauma from the accident. Uh, Edward then uh, manages to find a pilot to bribe him to take him to the island. Uh, Once he arrives on the island, he's greeted by one of the sisters from the community who initially uh, had mistaken him for somebody else. Uh, He then goes on to explain, you know, that he's a cop investigating the disappearance of the girl. And uh, there were a couple of sisters that had showed up and there were some men that were carrying like a burlap sack with a fish or something inside. So he shows the uh, the sisters a picture of the girl. Um, they really don't want to look at it. They appear kind of apprehensive to look at the picture. And uh, they tell him that the girl doesn't look familiar. So then one of the sisters directs Edward to speak with uh, Sister Summer's Isle. As he's leaving, one of the sisters tells him, she yells back at him saying that the little girl was not Willow's daughter. So uh, Edward makes his way into, I think they refer to it as the meeting hall. And he talks with uh, Sister Beach about getting a room and something to eat. And uh, as they're conversing, Willow eventually had walks in, or walks in and they clearly know each other. Sister Beach picks up on that. And uh, Willow takes Edward's bag upstairs to the room he's going to be staying in. So while he's down downstairs, he decides to drink some of this homemade mead. He then uh, loudly informs everyone inside that, uh, you know, he's a police officer there on official business to uh, investigate the, disappearance of the girl and then uh there's a little bee that had appeared on the countertop and he smashes the bee with his mug and you can see everyone's clearly offended by it and sister uh, beach asks him why he would do that and then he informs her he's allergic to bees uh so up in his room he reads a letter that was given to him by willow and in the letter she informs him that you know she's being watched so they have to speak in private and that she tells him that he needs to be careful and to not believe uh, the things that he may see or hear. So uh, Edward catches up with Willow in a uh, wooded area near the water. You know, Edward's trying to find out initially why she left him in the, in the beginning, why she didn't want to go forward with marrying him. And um, she basically said she turned home. She was scared. A bunch of excuses saying she was young. Uh, once again, came to the point of Edward now starting to ask the investigative questions about the missing girl. Uh, Willow said that you know she would have talked to him later when it was safe and she ran off. 
Um, Willow told Edward that, you know, he was chosen because she, he's one of the only ones that she trusts. That's why she didn't tell the father. And uh, she also told him that Rowan is still on the island. Uh, so while Edward's uh, back in his room, he had over uh, overhears his sister Beach and other sisters talking about uh, the day of tomorrow, as they refer to it, the time of death and rebirth and uh, the wicker man's return. So eventually in the night, uh, Edward has a dream of a little girl on the ferry boat again, getting hit by the semi. And then he re-envisions the station wagon getting uh, pulled over. However, there's no occupants in the vehicle. So, you know, he wakes up, he again goes for his medication. And then he uh, happens to look out his window and sees the little girl running into the woods. So with a flashlight, he goes out searching for her and uh, comes upon a barn. So he goes inside and uh, he starts hearing noises and movement coming from the hayloft. So, you know, he goes up there to investigate. Uh, there's a room that he finds with the, uh, like a red jacket or sweater. And then there's food. There's like apples and potatoes. They look to be pretty fresh as if someone maybe was living there. And then uh, as he's about to leave, the floor underneath gives out and he almost falls through. So the, uh, the next morning he's back in that meeting hall having breakfast. I thought this was kind of funny that, uh, you know, they're on this commune that harvests honey from bees and, he would think that's what he has. However, they give him like a store-bought, the little honey bear bottle to use with almost nothing in it. And uh, he asks Sister Honey, who comes in about, you know, why are they giving him this stuff? And he, she tells him that uh, she gives him what she's given and that uh, they don't have a drop of royal honey to give them because the crops were cursed uh, the year prior. Uh, he notices that on the wall, there were individual pictures of the sisters. Uh, and they were from the Harvest Festival and the festival of fertility uh, while he's looking at the pictures, you know, he notices that the last picture, which would have been the most recent one, the glass is broken out and the picture was missing. And uh, sister beach informs him that uh, it was damaged uh, the previous night. Uh, Edward then goes over to the schoolhouse to uh, talk to the students there. He passes around a picture of Rowan. They all look at it and say that they don't recognize her. Uh, the teacher, sister Rose informs uh, Edward that, the girl doesn't exist. Uh, however, uh, Edward uh, gets the attendance book and in the ledger, he finds Roman's name crossed out. So sister Rose asks Edward to talk outside. And uh, this is where she informs Edward about that an accident had happened that, you know, basically everyone's grieving and that they don't believe in death and that um, he asks, Edward asks Rose, you know, how, what happened with the accident, what happened to Rowan. And uh, when Rose walks away, she says that she'll burn to death. So, you know, Edward asks her to repeat what she had said, but however, she, this time she says she burned to death. Uh, so Edward tells, uh, uh, Rose had informed Edward where the remains of Rowan would be found uh, outside the church. So Edward eventually finds a grave site uh, while he's looking at it. Willow shows up and tells him that uh, that's not Rowan's grave and that somebody else had put that there, but uh, she was unable to say who they were. Uh, Willow eventually tells Edward that Rowan is their child. Uh, Willow then takes Edward to Rowan's room and explains the last time she saw her, she explains that uh, you know she had went out to the market, and then when she returned, Rowan and all her things were gone. Like somebody just took everything. Uh, so Edward, as he's looking around, he looks underneath uh, Rowan's desk, and uh, there's a drawing of like, this figure in the middle in like red uh, with the words, help me, scribble all around. So Edward 
uh, goes out to the dock. He tells Will he wants to use the plane's radio. Uh, the plane is kind of drifting away, and he waits around for the pilot, but he never shows up. He doesn't have a cell phone signal. So while he's sitting around waiting on uh, the dock, he has a um, another visual, visual hallucination of uh, Rowan dead in the water. So he jumps into the water to retrieve the body, brings her back onto the dock, and then he snaps out of it. Uh, Edward then decides, because the pilot hasn't showed up, he's going to swim over to the plane to use the radio, at which point he finds that the uh, the radio had been destroyed. He then uh, goes to see Dr. Moss, who uh, she takes the harvest photos every year, and um, you know he informs that the picture was damaged or destroyed, and it's not there anymore. So she tells him that you know she can get another one developed uh, from the negative. Uh, before he leaves, he notices that there was a book on her table called uh, Rituals of the Ancients. So Edward decides to hide outside her office until uh, Dr. Moss leaves. Uh, he then breaks back into the office and uh, he finds a letter that he reads. And in the letter, it starts talking about uh, fertility festivals that were held by uh, societies in ancient Egypt and pre-Columbian Incan and how um, you know a young woman would be chosen to be killed in a, a blood ritual as a type of offering to guarantee a successful harvest for the coming years. However, in the in Europe and in America, uh, it was a little bit different with uh, burning the chosen one as opposed to a blood ritual. So he continues looking around her office, and then he eventually finds uh, Rowan's picture uh, from last year's harvest, and he says that it was noted that it was the worst harvest record. Uh, Edward, you know, confronts Willow about this, and she, you know, about the harvest rit rituals, and she kind of just downplays them as they're just stories. So Edwards, uh, eventually he makes his way into a, like in the field and he has a bike with him that he ends up bumping into a beehive and he gets stung. So as he, he starts running away, however, he runs further into a, a bee yard and is stung multiple times, falls to the ground. And before he passes out, he sees a vision of a Rowan standing by a beehive. And then, uh, you have a replay of the accident, uh, when he awakens, uh, Dr. Moss is at his bedside, and then she informs him uh, that you know they use the old ways to help him with his allergic reaction. They didn't use the uh, EpiPens that he had with him. Uh, Edward goes outside to speak with uh, Sister Summers, and uh, she informs uh, Edward that you know he was found by the beekeepers. His body was unconscious, and they basically saved him. So he's looking for permission from her to exhume the body from the grave. Uh, to have an autopsy conducted. Uh, she starts explaining about uh, these offerings that they do are to the uh, great mother goddess who uh, rules the island and that uh, she is their uh, earthly representative. And then she kind of talks about the back history of uh, her uh, Celtic ancestors and how they started the colony and the belief system, which was uh, her great grandmother in like the 1850s with a group of people went to the island or settled there to start this uh, way of life. So Edward decides to go back to the gravesite and starts digging up uh, and digging up the site and inside the coffin, all he finds was a, uh, a burned doll. So then he starts to hear crying and he ends up following the sound back to uh, the crypt site where uh, Willow had taken him. So he manages to uh, break the lock off, enter. And uh, once he goes inside, there's like a watery area that has like another door over it. And uh, he finds a, a red sweater in the water. So he opens the door and 
dives in and then somebody comes in behind him and locks him inside to the morning. Uh, while he's in there, again, has another flashback of the accident. Uh, Willow finds him and, you know, unlocks the, the gate and gets him out of the water. You know, he shows Willow what he found, the sweater and the uh, burned doll. And he tells Willow about, you know, he feels something bad's going to happen. So he tells her to go back and lock herself in her room. So it seems like at this point, the uh, when he goes back to Summer's Isle's house, uh, there was like a room with a girl who was like naked, covered in bees. And uh, the sisters look, looked like they were uh, preparing for the ceremony. They were all like dressed in white. Uh, Edward eventually finds the pilot, or the plane had sunk in the water, and then he finds the pilot's body uh, near some logs. And uh, he makes his way back to the uh, meeting hall, knocks out Sister Beach, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> funny. He didn't hesitate. He's like, <laughs> no, not at all. I thought he was going to say something, but... Yeah, and I thought this was the only time he was going to punch a woman. I was wrong. Right. He went on a he went on a spree. <laughs> yeah, he gets um, he gets attacked by Sister Honey from behind, and uh, gets into a little fisticuffs with her. Yeah, he like uh, Jackie <laughs> like Chan's her into a her. wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was another funny moment. So he. Uh, we can see the ceremony of their, they're marching towards the site and uh, he, he sneaks in wearing a, uh, a bear costume. One of the, it looks like a beekeeper costume. He's got like that screen maybe, but uh, he's inside the bear costume and uh, he goes up to where Rowan is, releases her. And then he uh, runs into the woods with her. Uh, Rowan eventually runs back to where the sisters were at, runs right up to her mom, hugs her and then uh, asks her, you know, if she did it right. So Edward catches up with them. And at this point he's encircled by the, uh, the members of the community. And this is then when he, uh, he learns the truth about everything that's been going on, that he was essentially tricked into uh, coming to the Island and that he was basically, uh, he was basically chosen, uh, because he's connected by blood and that, uh, Willow sex fiance is the, uh, the daughter of, uh, Summer's Isle. So then they uh, begin the, the ceremony, and yeah. they they stick him inside the giant wicker man. They have to like hoist him up by his feet, and they have uh, his daughter. Well, yeah, his daughter. She has the torch, kind of like she's gonna light the the flame at the Olympics. She runs up and lights the uh, the wicker man on fire. He's out of the way at the top, inside the head, and he's just screaming out in pain as he's being burned alive. Poor Nick. Yes, poor Nicholas Cage. He's dead. He dies. Spoiler. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So then we now jump six months later. We're in the city at a bar, and this is the James Franco appearance. So he's with another guy. Yeah, Jason Ritter. Jason Ritter. Ritter's son. Yeah. Oh. That's pretty cool. I say I didn't catch that. And then Wait, we what? See... Jason Ritter? Mm-hmm. The other guy? Yeah. I, must have I thought that was Ryder Strong. Uh, no, it's Jason Ritter. Oh, okay. I mean, he looks a lot like his dad. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Now I see it. <laughs> so uh, they sit down at a table, and then we see Sister Honey and Willow. They're in regular clothes, appearing. It looks like they're looking for their next victims. So Willow and Jason Ritter's character, they uh, step away. So Sister Honey's talking uh, to James Franco. I don't think I think he's just bar guy number one. Yeah. 
And as she's talking to him, she asks like what he does. And he talks about, you know, he had just graduated from the police academy and she kind of like smirks at that and uh, asks him about what he's going to do after he leaves. And he said, he's going to go back home. And she then asks him, you know, when you leave, if he'll take her with him. And then we hear like the buzzing of bee sound. And then it ends with, uh, you know, the scream of Edward. And that's the end of the movie. The Wicker Man, 2006. You know, as far as a movie with Nicolas Cage in it, this is right around the time where he was going crazy, I think. And so a lot of his performances were not in a literal sense crazy, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of his performances were kind of over the top. I mean, it's kind of like he didn't care what you stuck in front of him. Like we were joking about Ron Burgundy earlier. If it's, if it's there, he's going to read it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was pretty obvious that was the case in this movie. Um, but I feel like everyone in the movie kind of had that same acting um, attitude, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if it's Nicolas Cage necessarily or if the director was really bad. But I just felt like everyone's acting was kind of the same. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was going for a certain vibe. Maybe I think he, he was thought going it was for creepy. Campy. Yeah, I see that. And I mean... A lot of people love the movie, even though they hate it. It's one of those. All right. Well, this is the part of the show where we do our reviews and ratings. And we rate on a 10 scale using something from the movie as a description. And I have a couple of questions. I'll go ahead and get us started. When the pilot takes Edward Nicholas Cage to the island, for only a hundred bucks when he was putting up a pretty good fight at the beginning saying I can't do it. And he gets him to the island and then he winds up dead. The pilot winds up dead with his eyes. I don't know. Look like they were removed from his head. I don't understand why they killed him because he did his job. Basically he got the guy to the island so they could burn him. I think, That's a good point. <laughs> I think that was kind of unnecessary unless they just hate all men and you know, we don't like this dude anyway. So we're going to kill him. Yeah. I think it's because maybe he, brought him there without asking them first i could see that but they sent him a letter and told him to come right he was supposed to be there yeah and he brings their food yeah he does their supply runs yeah honey unless maybe because he knew you know he could like he was the last one to see him yeah Yeah, and maybe that's why they took his eyes as like symbolic of him being the last one to see him alive just closing up the the loose ends right yeah your loose end but That'd then, be logical. I mean, if we if we take keep going down that route, that guy's got to have a family, and they're going to be missing them soon. Well, this guy always went to that island. I don't know. But he never told. Like he probably never told anybody about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many how many spouses how many spouses can detail what their other spouse does <laughs> for work? Right. I know. Mine leaves at seven inch. They're like, he just seven. flies planes in the Puget Sound. I, I don't yeah. know anything else. I'm sorry. He told me a million times, but I never actually understood what he was telling me. He's just crazy. That's all I know. He catch me out there. Okay. Yeah, I love it that we're talking about the pilot more than we are the rest of the movie. It's kind of funny. <laughs> well, I, I have a quite a few things to talk about, too. But. Okay. You know what? I love to hear those. So I'm going to go ahead and give my rating. It's... It's not a bad movie to watch. I haven't seen the original, which uh, everybody glows about the original, so I might have to watch it, especially the music. You're going to have to watch it. Yeah. But, you know, as far as the Nick Cage movie, you know you know how sometimes on Netflix they have a category called uh, Nick Cage flips out or something like that, loses it, 
uh, category. Have you ever seen those? Cage Rage? Yeah, something like that. And they'll have a whole <laughs> category on Netflix of Nick Cage movies of him, you know, acting crazy. That's hilarious. Yeah. You can kind of stick this one in there, too. I'm going to go ahead and give it... Uh, I'll be kind because I like Nick Cage. And I liked a lot, a lot of the actresses in this movie, too. It's kind of sad it, it didn't do better because they had the talent, I think. And the filming location was awesome. I liked that little island. The location was good. I'll go ahead and give this... I'll be nice. I'll give it four empty bear honey containers out of 10. That's being very generous. Yeah. yeah. Nice. He gets two just because you know, Nick Cage is there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, I have a few things I want to talk about, so I'll make mine short as well. I thought this movie was very much trying to be like the original. Didn't really do it too well, but I felt like all the pieces were there. It's just that the um, the acting really took me out of it, and it really kind of ruined everything. I feel like it, it could have been a really good movie, but for some reason, the, the dialogue was really bad. The acting was really flat. Everybody was kind of delivering their lines like as if they were doing like a table read through rather than actually uh, acting. And some of the characters had like really campy lines. So I'm going to give it... So one of the points goes for having Nicolas Cage in it. And then another point for having most of the pieces there. So I'm going to give it a, a two out of 10 honey meads. Nice. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, this movie, I, I did see the original one. I was, and I was pretty young, so I don't really remember a lot of it. It's this, if you go in this movie, I think with high expectations, if you've seen the original or to compare it, I don't think that's a good idea. Anything with Nicolas Cage for me, it's, you know, he's one of my favorite actors. I've, I've liked all his movies since I was little. So for me, watching it, I'm watching it because it's Nicolas Cage. So I have a certain expectation. You know, when you get Nicolas Cage as an actor in a movie, you're getting Nicolas Cage, kind of like Christopher Walken. They're going to play the same person. So I knew that going into it, and um, it's a Nicolas Cage film. So I don't compare it to anything else, any you know, the original, or it's just a Nicolas Cage film. So uh, with that, I would give this uh, 5.5 Nicolas Cage sidekicks <laughs> i wonder if the actresses spent half their time worrying like nick nick knows he's not supposed to punch me right <laughs> and he really kicked uh, sister honey that was a real kick <laughs> did he he's like i ain't holding back i'm a method actor i'm gonna kick shit out of you <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh steven seagal and he's like actually hurting the other actors in his movies <laughs> oh yeah so I have I have some notes about this film and callbacks and tie-ins to the original that I wanted to kind of go through. Okay. So uh, I don't know if you guys and Aaron, you haven't seen the original, so some of this may not make sense to you. Okay. But uh, Rowan, the little girl's name, Rowan, her last name is Woodward, and the original uh, actor who played Sergeant Howie in the original one, his name is Ed. Edward Woodward. So Ed Woodward. So I thought that was very interesting that they gave the little girl the actor's last name because her last name was not Woodward in the original. In this film, the main character's last name is Malice, which, uh, or Malice, which is the botanical name for the apple tree. And I thought that was pretty interesting because obviously all of them have tree names uh, like Willow and Beach, uh, except for Sister Honey. But um, so he has an apple tree name and I just kind of figured he was supposed to represent Adam 
because he was kind of supposed to be the one to procreate with them. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the willow tree kind of represents. Maybe she's supposed to represent wisdom or something like that. So it's kind of comical that he punches a lot of the women in this film. And in the original, instead of wearing a bear costume to uh, be a part of like that, that ritual at the end, uh, the uh, detective Howie actually dresses as the um, puppet punch. Do you guys remember punch and Judy? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, it was a TV show with like a puppet and uh, it was obviously punch and then Judy and he would always like hit his wife and they'd get into like these little shenanigans and he would always like punch her in the face. So the fact that Nicolas Cage was just punching women left and right kind of reminded me of like the original when he dressed up as punch. (laughs) Uh, Maybe he's paying homage. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think some of this movie is paying homage um i did see kind of some overlay there let's see so i see a lot of tie-ins with this movie to midsummer um the original and this one because obviously the original and this one are very similar Mm -hmm. but just like with the bear costume and everything like i don't know it just reminded me a lot of the maybe ari aster got some inspiration from this movie i would say a lot of inspiration from this movie you could see the maypole too in the background a few of the shots mm-hmm. yeah um so there there is a lot of uh tie-ins here between that movie and this one and they when they give him the mead have you guys ever had mead yes no there's a meadery near me there's a meadery near you yeah um oh interesting yeah so when she gives them the mead, she kind of tells them what's in it. And then she said there was like something extra, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, me being like the the kind of uh, novice botanist that I am, I immediately thought of mad honey, right? And I was like, oh, shit, they're making mead out of mad honey. And mad honey is when you have an apiary, like you have a, all those bee colonies, and you have a bunch of rhododendron flowers in the area. And I didn't see a whole lot of rhododendron necessarily in the set, not to the point where it would have been obvious. Um, But I thought that they were making the mad honey from that. And what happens is when the bees go and pollinate the flower, it has an alkaloid in the pollen that when they make the honey, it has like a hallucinatory effect on the brain. It can actually be pretty poisonous if you have too much of it. But I thought that it was interesting because... He didn't drink. He only drank it once. Right. But I thought it would have been interesting if he kept drinking it throughout the film. And the fact that he's kind of like losing his mind. I thought that maybe he had like a little bit of that mad honey that made him go insane. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. But I can't find anything on the Internet that anybody else has thought about that. (laughs) So I don't know if it's actually I thought it would have been an interesting angle, like a little Easter egg to put in there for people who know about mad honey and the fact that they made meat out of it and that could just be like their special stash that they give to certain people or that they use in their rituals to kind of like you know be one with the celtic pagan gods or whatever but that's kind of all i have in terms of like tying the two movies in together i would definitely recommend the original because and it has christopher lee in it like how can you go wrong with the original having christopher (laughs) lee as lord summer isle you know true very true it's interesting. Well, I guess you're the first one to have that theory. So, And I just don't know if it's an actual theory because it would have been a good angle, but maybe they didn't intend for it to be a good angle. 
happy accident, I guess. Happy accidents, like Bob Ross says. (laughs) Well, that is Wicker Man 2006 with Nicolas Cage. That was our movie this week. And that concludes our month of Horror Town movies. Cursed Towns. Cursed Towns. Bunch of crazy people trying to key. Next week, our theme is going to be, drumroll, Celtic horror, right? Right? Yeah. And our first movie is going to be picked by Ariel, and it is Grabbers from 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 2012. All right. So don't forget to either wait on us to tell you how it is or go ahead and watch it and go through it with us next time. That's always fun, too. And at any time you go through our podcast and you think of something – or have an opinion, or you know, you guys are totally wrong about something and you want to let us know, you can always email us at stories to dismember at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, just search stories to dismember. You know, you can also text us and leave us a message at 817-405-4196. All right. I'm looking forward to to a new month and a new theme. I hope you guys are too. I think so far we got some good movies coming up. All right. Any last words? The drone must die. <laughs> the drone must die. That's my last words. Mine is uh, killing me ain't going to bring your damn honey back. <laughs> Not the bees. That's Azrael's. <laughs> Not the bees. <laughs> yeah. All righty, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Stories to Dismember podcast. Please be sure to tell your friends, subscribe, and leave a rating. You can contact us at stories to dismember at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on TikTok at Stories to Dismember. The music for Stories to Dismember is provided by Wen Feather. We can't wait to hang out with you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>